0: My, my tip is always sell first and build later. I definitely find folks and, and actually talk to somebody just, uh, I do something called, that's a five minute accelerator, which is uh, open hours where somebody can come on for five minutes and it's, they're not allowed to pitch. I will help them solve their like, number one problem. And I was talking to a really smart guy and he had built an app and he'd done the thing that all these founders do. He went to his basement and he built an app that he thought the world needed. And they said, what should I do next? I was like, first of all, you shouldn't have built the app. You should first ask people what they need and then go through that. And you talk a lot about MVP, but but why is there an MVP? It's because it needs to be, you don't want to go too far without knowing what it is. But I think it even starts before that. People put their hands to keyboard too early in the process. I would in fact say, can you practice selling something that doesn't even exist? Complete and utter vaporware and see what happens. Yeah. Right, And sell it not to somebody, sell it to someone you don't know. Exactly. If you can get in that, and that's, that's the awesome. hardest thing to do. But if you can do that, then you're
1: definitely going to succeed down the road. Hello, dreamers and action takers. Welcome to another episode of the Want Money, Got Money podcast. I'm your host, Sam Kamani. And today I'm interviewing Raj Ja. Now, Raj is a veteran Silicon Valley investor. He has been through the dot-com boom and burst And he is still there as an avid investor and advisor to multiple successful startups. So let's get into it and welcome Raj to the show. So Raj, it's great to have you on the show. And I met you at a remote hour event, which is an event which connects VCs with tech startup founders. And yeah, a little bit more about that later on. But yeah, I would love to know about your journey, how you got to become an investor and and work with startups and all that. So yeah, I would love to know your journey.
0: Sure, and I'll try to keep it short because my journey has been a long one with a lot of different careers. I'm 50 now, and I've had multiple careers already. I did start out actually in, the, as as well some tech founders will relate. I was a computer programmer, but I was a computer programmer a really long time ago. So I was actually using you know reel to reel tapes in college of programming on wow. a mainframe. and I got to, I, I started out working on Apple II Plus, uh, an Apple II Plus computer in, you know, 1979. Really old school. There was no internet and a lot of folks are like, "Really that that existed?" But that's that was my basis. And I actually restored my Apple II Plus from 1979 and sitting on the desk next to this thing. But that's where I got my start. And after that, I actually after getting my uh, undergrad degree in computer science, programming for a year, I actually went to law school. And at the time, the intersection between technology and law is was very just beginning. So I went to law school, and after law school, I got out and I came to the Silicon Valley. It was just the very beginning of the internet boom. So this was the Netscape era in 1995, and worked for a law firm out here, and my clients uh, were all of the tech startups in the Valley. So I really got to see Web 1.0 come up um, through the Valley. Left that, and actually went into a company. It was called Ask Jeeves. You might not have heard of that. Yes, Com.
1: I do remember. because I came, I did the same thing, started with computer programming in the late, now this is in late nineties. So internet <laughs> existed. The, the early versions yeah. of internet ex- existed. Exactly. I was on ICQ and MSN messenger and all the forums and all those sort of things, which is now the social media as people know it as Reddit and WhatsApp Exactly. And Facebook messenger. So yes. Probably-
0: so you know that, and, and I was at Ask Achieves, which at the time, this is, if you can, most people will not remember this. This world who are be listening to this but this was before like Google was everything there yes. were about 10 search engines vying like for things Oz, and
1: Alta Vista uh, all
0: those yep, yep, exactly Alta Vista this was that era where Yahoo was at the top of but it wasn't yeah. a search engine it was a directory Uh and so anyway I, I went there yeah, I helped take them them public. the public <laughs>
1: Exactly. exactly, the portals. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. So I, I I went there, I helped take them public and it was on that early team there. And that was a really great time to be a part of, it really felt like you were a part of something on the tech scene. And that was fantastic. So I did that. I worked after that. I did a, a small startup uh, that was uh, multinational. I did that for a little while. That one, uh, like many startups do, and we can talk about this, they, that one blew up. It did not go anywhere. It got thrown into bankruptcy. And afterwards I was like, you know what? I've gone to law school. I can't have a boss. So I started my own law firm and eventually merged uh, with another partner and we started representing the companies in Silicon Valley. So our clients were uh, Facebook and Yahoo, Electronic Arts, Polycom, TiVo. So those were our clients. And I became the Internet advertising guy. So in, in, again, this was relatively early years still. And there weren't a lot of attorneys who also had this interest. So really, that was my thing. And I grew that law firm, decided I didn't want to be making other people's money. So I went off to do something else. I was uh, just did a year doing a turnaround of the company credit.com, which is the, the world's uh, largest provider of credit information. That was their chief operating officer. And then after that, and so we're getting into career number 20 at this point, and I'm probably boring all the listeners. But after that, I did uh, start a marketing agency, uh, which I uh, ran for about the six and a half, seven years. I uh, recently sold that, and now I'm advising an investing company. So as you can see, everything from being on the legal side to the operation side, and really always with an underpinning of kind of marketing and demand generation. That's been my my thesis, I guess, if you look at it
1: from afar. That's fantastic. So many questions about, especially about the demand generation and marketing. Yep. When- a lot of successful people I know, they know all how to sell, whether it's selling their vision, their idea, their concept, it doesn't always have to be product. What is the first thing you sold? What's the
0: first thing that I sold? Like when I was a kid, maybe even, could right? Be, could be, anytime, <laughs> anything. <laughs> I had the yeah, well, idea
1: of going to bed to my kids every night. <laughs>
0: Exactly. I actually, yeah, that's right. You're you're always selling something. If you go way back, I even, I've sold computer services as a kid. So when this was the early eighties, so I served computer service because people were starting to get these home computers and they didn't know how to do anything with it. And, and here I am, of this this young kid, eleven years old or so. And our neighbors got a what was, must what be a TRS eighty or something like that. Oh, no, wow. it was a TRS eighty. <laughs> this, this is like okay. oh yeah, this is right. you don't know how old I am. <laughs> uh, and they got that so. I go down the street and try to help them set up their computer and they're confused. And I actually found these little business cards that I made up that I hand wrote these little business cards, which says computer consultant on it from it must be 1981, 1982. I, I think I was selling then, but really, I think you're right. Selling is, it's a key thing. It's some people view it as icky right? Oh, I don't want to be the salesman. And I certainly dealt with that uh, coming in the professional worlds, like attorneys, they hate to sell. Selling is dirty. And product people and developers, it's, I just want to build the shiny, perfect thing. But the selling, (laughs) oh, now what? And I'm sure you've heard this theme again and again, that, that you make something and then all of a sudden they don't know what to do when it comes to actually demand generation. But I would say that you do need something to sell, but the selling skill or having someone in your corner who can coach you through that is a, is the essence of what's going to make your product successful or not successful.
1: Yeah. Oh, 100% any tips for any new founders on demand generation, selling, acquiring users, customers? My my tip is
0: always sell first and build later. I definitely find folks and and actually talk to somebody just uh, I do a, something called it's a 5-minute accelerator, which is uh, open hours where somebody can come on for 5 minutes and it's they're not allowed to pitch. I will help them solve their like number one problem. And I was talking to a really smart guy and he had built an app and he'd done the thing that all these founders do. He went to his basement and he built an app that he thought the world needed. And they said, what should I do next? I was like, well, first of all, you shouldn't have built the app. You shouldn't first ask people what they need and then go through that. And you talk a lot about MVP and I even see, I think you're wearing a shirt that says MVP on it. Oh, ah, okay, perfect. Yeah, but, but, but why is there an MVP? It's because it needs to be, you don't want to go too far without knowing what it is. But I think it even starts before that. People put their hands to keyboard too early in the process. I would in fact say, Can you practice selling something that doesn't even exist? Complete and utter vaporware and see what happens. Yeah. Right. And sell it not to somebody, sell it to someone you don't know. If you can get in that, and that's the hardest thing to do, but if you can do that, then you're definitely gonna succeed down
1: the road. Yeah. So I wrote this book, 30 days, and it was all about building an MVP. But the next book I'm writing, it is about Mm -hmm don't build an MVP. That is my now new thesis. Don't build an MVP, yep. build a community first. Because if you have a community mm-hmm. of 10,000, 1,500, doesn't matter, 1 million, you yep. can sell them whatever they need instead of um, trying to convince them they should buy what you have made.
0: That's right. I think you're hundred percent right. You need an audience and building an audience, right? And then you actually need the MVI, which is the minimum viable idea, Yes. And then you got to pitch it. And then you get the product comes when you're finding a solution to a problem. So yeah, exactly. 100%. This whole minimum viable product, even I think you're right. That's too far down the line.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I have the new thing called minimum viable community. Build a community first. Doesn't matter. That's fine. 40 people you don't yeah. know who have a need. That's fine. Build something for them. And that's fine. Go from there. Th- this is something that I've been, just one of my thought that this is something that I've been seeing, that content, it's even bigger than tech itself. Content, because content scales just like tech. I used to have a physical products business that I exited and that I sold. That's partly because I wanted to go back into tech. And now I'm realizing that content is as powerful, if not even more so than tech in in some ways. And that's why you see likes of Mr. Beast that spent eight or nine years building a community. And then you can one day go from zero to $300 million fast food chain because you already have the um, captured audience, just Empathy Vines from Gary Vee. Because you have a massive audience, you can sell. And it's the same thing. So many rappers and things, they can come out with a line and they can sell something with 8,000% margin um, because right. they have 1 million true fans following will buy anything they want, anything yeah. they sell, basically. Yeah,
0: I think that's right. And I think that there's two approaches. And and this is what you're saying is underappreciated because the, so many folks are looking at a distorted view of reality. And they say they see Facebook and they see Amazon and they maybe even Apple fits into this category. And they look at these huge companies and said, look at that, they started in a garage and now they're huge. And they think in their heads that they're trying to make the next big thing. But most successes are not the next big thing. The the field is littered and it's like one in a bazillion that you're going to be that next big thing. But if you look at how other folks are coming and then building audience and then finding that match, the success rate is way higher. And are you going to be the next Facebook? Hmm. Probably no. But I bet you, you probably also don't want to do what it takes to get through that and you'll probably flame out trying to do so if you really just ignore what young tech crunch ignore in the media about success for founders because they're only reporting the sexy stories they're not reporting the flameouts and the people who have like insomnia and bouts of depression and all the stuff that's going on that goes <laughs> along with the startup they're just not reporting that so you get this it's just like social media in, in a way you see everyone's yeah. perfect life and you don't see the hard stuff and there's a lot of hard stuff. So why not stack the odds in your favor and not try to you know, be the next big
1: thing? Try to be something that's successful. Absolutely. And something that people use and love. Yeah. So, yeah, if you had to start all over again, what would you do? What field that's... would you go in? How would you start?
0: You know what? Actually, it's a timely question because my newest, what I'm doing now being an advisor and investing companies, that is a new thing. I exited the company about two years ago and it is a new role for me. I have to ask myself exactly this question and try to iterate on this, like minimum viable idea. What do I want to do with this? And it comes back to... Looking at what I think my strengths are, and I can think on my feet, and I'm really good at demand generation and the, the concepts behind that, and I I understand the startup and lower middle market industries. I'm not a Fortune 500 guy. I'm not. It's yes. just not who I am. So I look at those strengths, and if I were to do it again, I'd do what I'm doing now, which is really I am building community. I'm building an audience, and I'm just essentially giving as much information as I can, as much help as I can with honestly no expectation of return because deals will come from that. And if I'm Absolutely. looking to advise, if I'm looking to invest, there's no, there's nothing to keep hold, hold close to my vest and say, no, this information is proprietary. <laughs> All the information's out there on the internet. Everything's on YouTube. It's a matter of, having uh, a connection with a product and a team that you like and a mission that you believe in there that you think can be financially successful and fitting your own personal model of investment or advisory. So, honestly, I do exactly what I'm doing now.
1: Well, that's fantastic. That's always great to hear. So, what sort of companies do you invest in? Yeah.
0: So that's, so that's, that. this may or may not to be completely blunt, uh, line up with all of the audience, right? Because I, I typically don't work with the minimum viable product stage of things. I really want to see market contact first and see, there has to be sales. There just have to be because, and, and this is not saying that I don't like companies that haven't gotten to that point or anything like that. But there's a process by which getting your product to market and going through that. So many founders just stop and don't know what to do, and then they come, you know, saying, "If I just had a million dollars, this problem would solve." Well, not really. The problem that you have to solve is understanding enough to be a good CEO who can shepherd a company through the next phase of actually getting that. So, if someone comes to me and there is there are sales, there is a plan, then we can talk. And so, I think that it's a slightly large, uh, later stage, but also I, I don't I'm not just only tech. So I'll yeah. go for a non-tech business. It doesn't matter. It's really about: Do they have they proven themselves at least somewhat in the market, and are they stuck in the demand generation phase? Because that's where I can really add value. And are they looking for institutional capital, like the traditional VC route? That's not me. I, yeah. or, or are they looking for more of someone who's more an advisor slash investor? That's more me. Because you know I don't have a five hundred million dollar fund. To, to do this but I do have a ton of connections. I do have a ton of experience and I can invest capital and I can fund your marketing campaigns, your demand generation. So yeah. if, if someone's looking very practically to hold on to more equity for themselves and want something more collaborative, that's what I, I do.
1: Yeah that is super cool. I have few questions. So is it any particular geographies that look in uh, that you look in or is it anywhere in the world?
0: It's anywhere in the world but I would say right. I have to understand the market so if yeah. it is a company in Indonesia for instance I would certainly talk to them I'd certainly look at it but could I really be helpful I'm frankly the best in American English and understanding the market here so while I would consider it it, it would depend and it would yeah. depend on whether I could actually add value because I'm not just going to invest in things or, or work with companies where I really wouldn't be able to move the needle
1: yep or any big country is so complex. Indonesia has similar population to US. And when one of the thing that I've seen the mistakes people make is when they go into that country, the only two places they know is Jakarta and Bali. And every overseas company goes there and it's a bloodbath. They are all trying to cannibalize each other. And the rest of the, out of the 320 million, the 300 million people are unserved and there are no competitors. It's completely blue ocean sort of a thing it's completely up for taking for anyone and and exactly it's, yeah, and, and it's just that you need local knowledge, local partners in any big market, any particular um, industries that you focus in. Some people are into, I don't know, aeronautics, space, biotech, any niches that you are into? or Not particularly so. I don't go into most things that are heavy, heavily regulated.
0: That's one area where I've had, I've had enough time in my career as a lawyer having to deal with regulations and, and things like that, that I'm not really, and I'm not a biotech type of person. I think when I'm looking at it, it's where can I add value in terms of marketing that can grow quickly. So if it's a really complex SaaS product, which has a six-figure price tag and you're building out an enterprise sales force, yeah, I'm probably not the guy. But if you have any kind of B2C play where it's like, hmm, this thing can hockey stick, that's where I can really help. Or if it's a selling to SMBs or something like that, that I can definitely uh, work with. But it could be e-com, it could be yep. uh, software, it could be even health and foods and things like that. So it's a pretty sector agnostic. It's really, again, is there a potential to grow quickly if the right pieces are put in place?
1: Yeah, that's super great to to hear and understand your sort of methodology of finding deals and, and what, yeah, what you do. My next question, is there a book that you are reading
0: right now? The book that I'm reading right now, it's actually in front of me here, uh, Rational Choice in an Uncertain World. You've probably never heard of it. It's it's about the psychology of decision-making. And I'm, as a marketing nerd, as a lead generation nerd, I'm always interested in the psychology of buying. And and that includes not just buying products, but whether someone is buying into you as an investor, buying into your, you, know, acquirer, all of those things go into the psychology bucket. So I'm fascinated by that. And and just how do you make good decisions about that? And what's your brain trying to trick you into doing versus what you should be doing?
1: That is very interesting. Uh, Talking about that, what are the most common mistakes entrepreneurs making when they are fundraising?
0: When they're fundraising, I think most of them try to fundraise too early. And I'm like the the weird, I mean, I'm the weird investor type who tells most folks, you probably shouldn't take money because it, they're looking at the raising of the money as a badge. Because again, they're looking at, we talked about this early, right? They're looking at tech runs, they're looking at something else and such and such, raise $20 million to this. And they see the the money raise as the achievement, but it's not. All the money raised now you got a bucket of money. It's just a start. And very often they're using it as an excuse to delay tightening their belt a little bit and yeah. doing a little more with a little less. And they'd end up owning a bigger, much bigger chunk of their company if they didn't do that too soon. So I, I would say big mistake is raising too soon instead of figuring out how to generate customers before doing that. All right. Yeah. So many people say, I've got this product. All I need is the money and everything else will just happen. I was like, actually, it's not like that. The hard stuff has just begun, which is figuring out yeah. who's going to buy it and how are they going to buy it. And guess what? If you don't figure that out first and someone actually has to pay for it, you're going to get yourself diluted like crazy.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. hundred percent agree. I, What I feel is that if you are really driven, if you are really passionate about what you are building... You will keep building regardless of you have money or not. You'll do it on the part-time. You'll keep building it. And and I right. think when, when you do that, when people see that sort of a passion that you are really on a mission to do this, to, to solve mm-hmm. this problem at regardless of the cost. Then I think yeah. things fall are more likely to fall in place. There's of course no guarantees for anything, but yeah, that's what I I feel anyway. I have a couple more questions, and that is, do you follow any anyone on like whether it's YouTube or podcasts or there's thousands of platforms in in the startup space? Who do you look up to or who do you follow? You know,
0: know, I think I've I've changed my philosophy on this because I used to be an avid podcast consumer, and I would listen to podcasts to to miles to the office on the way back. I'd be downloading audiobooks. I'd be trying to like stuff my brain full of things. (laughs) And what I realized over the last about year or so is that it's actually nicer to have a walk without earbuds in your ear. So I actually stopped listening to most podcasts. I'll listen to a few here and there, but for a lot of the media consumption, I found it's better to figure my own way and figure out what I need to be doing and stop listening to everyone else. We talked to, again, a third time about, about the media and things like that. I think that uh, there's a lot of folks who are looking for a magic bullet. And it's like, maybe if I get this podcast, it'll tell me the, the magic <laughs> thing where I can generate demand off of Facebook ads or something like that. Or if they're watching their you know, social media feeds and I was like, Ooh, this is on YouTube ads. Maybe you should look at that. And that's, it's tactic, tactic. And it's a little dopamine hit. So I've taken a step back and it's like, you know what? Maybe I'll just walk home without something in my ears and enjoy the you know nature or something like that. So I would say that it's a non-answer to your question, but I would say the, the best kind of podcast for me right now is not always listening to podcasts.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's peace of mind and listening to your own thoughts and thinking. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, yeah. which is rare now. Yeah, which is very rare. But yeah, I have seen that, yeah, like a lot of successful peoples, they dedicate time for thinking and being with themselves. So to give that opportunity for the original thoughts to come out. But exactly, that's very cool. The third thing is that you talked about that you do give out this sort of a five minute free consultation time. What platform do you do that? How do people reach, reach out to you and all that?
0: Yep. So I'm, I'm doing that now using a platform called Remote Hour. You can find that if you connect to me on LinkedIn, I publish when, when I'm doing that. I'm also actually building, like you said, building a community. I'm actually building a community myself, depending on when this comes out. Uh, this episode is launched. It may be already uh, live. It's called Demand Academy. I'm building an app and the app is an online community just for company CEOs who want to learn how to build demand for their products, demand for their company. So whether it is understanding how to do uh, lead generation for customers, Customers or building demand for uh, their company by, by investors or by acquirers. So that's all under the umbrella of demand generation. And my goal there is just to build a community and just give out as much information and advice for free. So I'll also be on there. So folks can look for that as well. Uh, that should be launching in the next uh, 60 days.
1: Fantastic. I will put links to all these underneath wherever this goes on wh- whichever social platform it goes out. It will be a couple of months before it comes out. I've recorded so many. Yeah, good. T- timing could be perfect. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's that's fantastic. Yeah. So it's uh demand academy. And yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, so you can
0: find that either on my LinkedIn or, or you can search on my website, which is my name, Rajja.com, which is the hardest. It's the shortest and hardest name to spell ever. So it's R-A-J-H-A.com. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because I'm originally from India. Last 20 years, I've been out of India, but I'm very familiar with that sort of name. So it, it was easy. yeah, it a, it's
0: actually, easy for you, but for no one else. It's like, wait a minute, the vowels at the end. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's, that's good. Th- this is a question that I ask um, everyone and maybe you have um, talked about it already, but is there ask? Is there something you're looking for? Are you looking for team members, investors, users for your platform, app, anything? Uh, yeah,
0: a- anyone, if, if you are a founder, if you're a CEO of any sort of company and you are just looking for a way to you know increase demand for your products, etc., I would say my ask is, if you're interested in getting help with that, then find me, follow on social, um, consider my platform, The idea that I have is to give out as much information for free and build a community of people who help each other to do the same. So um, really, I'm out there trying to just give out more information and help you. So I've got no ask other than a follow me if you want to learn more
1: kind of thing. That's fantastic. I will definitely do that. Yeah. So I think that's about um, all the questions I, I had for you, but thank Great. you so much. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing all your valuable advice, especially the one thing that I really enjoyed and I, I liked and I took notes about, and that is for startup founders that sell first, build second or build later, yeah. build, build exactly. a community first, have the audience and then... It's problems. Ex- exactly aligns with your thesis, Sam. So I think you and I are on the same page about that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. And best of luck for your your new demand academy and demand generation academy. Excellent. Thanks, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Want Money, Got Money with Sam Kamani. Hope you enjoyed the show and got some valuable insights that would help you in your startup or your business. If you haven't already. Please subscribe and rate this show on your favorite platform. It would be extremely helpful and I just cannot tell you how much I would appreciate that.